I'm Charlie Taylor. I'm in Canada, run hip hop with the numbers on Twitter. I use hip hop statistics to highlight the bigger picture. Landro to the fifth element, I highlight the fifth element of hip hop, which is knowledge. Living the fast life in fast cars. Everywhere we go, people know who we are. A team from out of two countries with the anti American dream. Plotting up a scheme to get some cream some just some just a little bit please just as much as we just need just a crumb of cream no more than we need though A reasonable amount of cream. Yeah. Can we just just a, just just a dollar? You know what I mean? Just just a dollar. That's that's all we're looking for. Doesn't need to be seven figures. No. Just a dollar of cream. Oh, that'd be nice. Hi Ben. <laughs> Hi Ben. How's your week been? What have this week? Uh, week's been wild, man. Did not sleep last night. I uh, very insomniac. I tried to watch um, what's that one with Christian Bale, the Machinist. Don't watch that at 2 a.m. when you can't sleep. It's not the right option i ended up going with iron man in the end which was definitely the right option it was a good call um i'm talk about what i listened to because just a couple of weeks uh has kind of accrued i'm going to go through my little list one two dropped a nice little instrumental project um you know if you listen to this pod you know i love one two just dropped a project with conway a couple of weeks ago highly recommend man very very uh chill chill vibe um, who else we got on here? Uh, the game. I already talked about the game in Big Hit last week, I think. DJ Booker and Annalie Chopper dropped, and I listened to like two songs, and I'm like, no, nah, can't do this. Not. I don't normally do this for rappers, okay? I'm not normally the one who's like, I can't stand this rapper, but Annalie Chopper, for some reason, I cannot stand him. I do not want to listen to him anymore. So, did not enjoy that. Baldy James, Nicholas Craven. Bro, Nicholas Craven is upgrading his production game insane. Like, the production on here is luscious. It is beautiful. It is bountiful. It is incredible. And Baldy James on top of it, so monotone, just so, like, deadpan delivery, but it works so well. And just the vivid storytelling. There's a lot of stuff in here about his accident uh, and how he felt after it and, you know, how people reacted to it. It's a really solid project, man. It's really solid. I fully recommend people checking that out. Tizo Touchdown dropped a little three-pack as a deluxe. Um, still just as unlistenable as the uh, original album, so don't know what I was expecting, but anyway. D-Block Europe dropped a terrible project. I do not know what you guys see in D-Block Europe. I'm very, I'm very cranky this morning, man. I'm very irritable. I haven't slept. I did not like that project. Bruiser Wolf dropped a project. Okay. Bruiser Wolf's in the same like category as Remble. I've never listened to Bruiser Wolf before, but go, go listen to the album right now. It's a total love or hate album. First song, you'll either fall in love with it and be like, this is, I need this in my life. This is incredible. Or you'll be like, I cannot stand this. It's like someone's grating my ears with a cheese grater. I am in the former category. I need Bruiser Wolf in my life. This is a brilliant project. It was like a real, maybe a life-changing moment for me. I enjoyed it immensely. Sea Scripture dropped a great fucking project. Sea Scripture is, I've been tapped in with him for a long time. I did an interview with him in like 2019, 2020, back when the beauty of independence was a thing. Um, bro, he has leveled the fuck up as an MC. I promise you, go listen to this project. 
his slaps, the beat slap, his voice is so commanding. Like he just keeps getting better. I really like it when an MC gets better. I yeah, fully recommend see scripture. Unknown T. This album just really passed for me. Um, I was expecting to really engage with it and sit with it and enjoy it. And I did, like I enjoyed it, but like it just kind of passed for me and I didn't really want to go back to it. The thing I like about British UK hip hop at the moment is they're, they're not trying to do anything crazy. Like there are sounds on this all over the place. There's some mid 2000s on here, which I highly appreciated. Some dance tracks, there's all sorts of stuff on here. So if you want some variety, this is where it's at, man. Um, it's all right. Like, I, I didn't dislike it, but I'm not sure I'm going to go back to it. 21 Savage dropped his project. I mean, what do you want me to say about it? It's 21 Savage project. All he talks about is pussy and killing ops. And there's a little bit of introspection on here. Uh, and there's a little bit of like, there's some soul. There was a couple of beats on here. I was like, you know who I think he'd sound great over? Just Blaze. If he locked in with a Just Blaze, straight up Just Blaze collab tape, I think that would be fucking fire. So, look, man, it's not a bad project, but again, it's the law of diminishing returns with an artist like 21 Savage. It's just, you're just going to keep getting the same shit over and over and over again. So, if you don't like that but shit. But Ben. But Ben. Yes. 21. 21. 21. 21. 21. 21. He says 21 a lot. He says it a lot, bro. He says it a fuckload, man. Um, finally, we get Kid Cudi, Insano. So I didn't really enjoy Intergalactic. It was just not... I enjoyed it on first listen. I thought it was incredible. And then I just tried to go back to it and I got so bored. And I have never been bored from a Kid Cudi project in my entire life. I've listened to all these projects lots of fucking times. I mean, I had to do that crazy analysis for Complex, like counting how many times he hums. So I went through every single song he's ever released and listened to it over and over and over again. Never been bored. And a retrospective. Yeah, we should do a retrospective on Cuddy, man. We, should, we really should. We did. Did we? Yeah, I swear we did. Oh, I think we did something about his mental health stuff, I think. Okay, let me check. But carry on. I'm sure we did. Um... Yeah, man, look, this this project, I, I tweeted out, said that it's nice to hear him back rapping again, and he is rapping again. It's not on the level of Man on the Moon 3. It's really interesting when rappers, like, have a series that they keep going back to that, you know, Lil Wayne with the Carter, for example. A Lil Wayne album that's not the Carter is not going to be very good, okay? I'm just going to say it straight up. It's not going to be that great. Kid Cudi, I'm not saying that his albums that aren't Man on the Moon aren't good. They're amazing, but, like you can tell that he kind of just really puts his whole heart into those projects. This one just felt like a vibe. It felt like he was catching a vibe. He was enjoying himself, you know, and, and that's, that's cool. That's chill. I'm, I'm probably going to go back to it quite a lot, I think, because it was, it was a nice listen, you know, it was a nice listen. Um, but yeah, man, that was, that was me, Charlie. What about yourself? Episode 187. 187 on an undercover car. Um, yeah, so that was a Kid Cuddy episode. Um, I only remember that because there's there had to be a reason why I've spun Speeding Bullet to Heaven in my lifetime. So I was like, uh, well, how else would, whatever, what other reason would I have spun it um, if not for a Kid Cuddy retrospective? Um, anyway, <laughs> I only got into one project this, uh, this week and uh, that was just due to having a stacked weekend. I uh, went to an engagement party on Saturday. That was fun. Um, I hate drinking, but anyway, it's all good. Um, but yeah, I, I got into one from last year, which I've been mean to spin for a while, um, and I, for some reason, spun it 
whilst also reading a memoir. And at that point in the memoir, it was just like multiple chapters on an abusive relationship uh, the person was in. So listening to Say She She, um, Silver, uh, while doing that, um, didn't mesh too well. <laughs> Try to... Tried to dig into both at the same time. Did not mesh. Uh, if you haven't spun Say She She, um, it's a trio of uh, women. I forget their names. Um, but yes, yeah, so basically, it's it's basically like Nah Rogers chic kind of music. You know what I mean? Just that kind of singy disco, um, you know, and just super funky. Really good album. Um, it's kind of long, so just over an hour. Um, but I feel... There's a lot of tracks on there that really carry really nice. And uh, it seems like one of those... It, it does seem genuinely timeless. I feel like it's one of those albums that I can see them as a trio, you know, just doing live for the rest of their lives. Um, and I, I, I really get that kind of emotion when it comes to... Um, when it comes to certain albums where I'm just like, oh, yeah, this person's going to, you know, put this, on, put this on their live show for the rest of the time, you know what I mean? But... Um, you know, maybe just from, you know, the hip-hop lens I come out of and, you know, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to hear Jay-Z do S or Car these days, you know what I mean? So, whatever, anyway. Shout out to Jay-Z, of course, as always. Um, but yeah. <laughs> Two Bs. Um, <laughs> we get into our retrospective. I, I am going to listen to that Kick Cudi album, though, and uh, also the Arrested Development album, um gonna spin that as well that's on Bandcamp for those that want to spin um but yeah uh, that's for next week i guess but yes for now we get into our retrospective for this episode which is on cool g rap um this is one of two um we're gonna do him and dj polo next week um even though dj polo and cool g rap was before solo cool g rap but we're doing cool g rap as a solo and i feel like from what i've already listened to from the dj polo era um <laughs> the solo era is a lot different but anyway we're getting into cool g rap as a solo artist at this point and um yeah i feel like it's like i said like i said last week we're just going to be talking about lyrical goats um for the next for the next month or so um because there's, there's there's so much when listening to cool g rap there's so many artists i think of uh, when it comes to it, whether you whether you're talking about the uh, multi-syllabic uh, rhyme schemes, all of that stuff, which you know he kind of pioneered, right, <laughs> um, alongside no, Kane did. and Rakim, yeah. I feel like you know those three are really the holy trinity of lyricism. Um, I feel like they just really, at the same time, maybe. just Karis one. Yeah, you could throw, you could make an argument as well. Um, the Four Horsemen, there you go. And, um, yeah, so, you know, they, they rose, they took lyricism to maybe heights we haven't seen since, some would say. Um, and when it comes to Cool G Rap and having the influence, right, it's not just about the rhyme schemes, it's not just about the lyrics, it's also about the context and the subject matter he gets into. Um, I listen to these works and i'm just like oh right so this is where griselda got it from hmm. you know <laughs> it's, it's just it's it's just, it's just it it's like this is okay this is griselda Bro, this, this is where, where, this this where, where we got reasonable doubt from like <laughs> this is where we got reasonable doubt from this is where we got wu-tang from you know in some ways and that dark dingy essence um 
uh, you know, just so many, so many influences that are accounted for and are catalogued, and I don't think that's even scratching the surface. Um, there are many we can name, and I'm sure Ben has a couple could, could throw out there. Um, and again, just scratching the surface on that front. The influence that Cool G Rap has as a as a at, just as a lyricist is exponential. So um, happy to be doing this episode and doing um, the DJ Polo one next week, which um, I will probably enjoy it much more because I love the hell out of those albums. And uh, yeah, well, that's it. Ben, what have you got for us? Oh, wow. We're going to be in different directions next week. That's going to be very interesting. So look, man, we're doing another... <laughs> <laughs> we're, doing, we're doing some more... I might change group. my mind. It's been a couple of years, so I don't know. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. There's some songs on there that, yeah. <laughs> anyway, when we do eventually do a Juice Crew, Juice Crew retrospective, is going to be wild. Because so far we've done Big Daddy Kane, Bismarcky, Roxanne Shante, Master Ace... Now we're doing Cool G Rap, um, who's another yeah. rapper who so is... Craig G and MC Sean left. Yeah, yeah, we'll do some Craig G. I, I don't really listen to Craig G, so that's going to be very interesting. Um, yeah, look, he's a re- rapper who's regularly spoken of as a top five, top ten MC. I truly do see him, uh, Big Daddy Kane, Rakim, and Karis one, as Charlie said, the Four Horsemen. I just wrote here the, the, the Mount Rushmore of influential 80s MCs. Naturally, there are hundreds of others, but as time has progressed, these four names have been referenced the most when influence is being debated. Now, Cool G Rap's induction into Juice Crew was almost a formality in the end. He was born in New York and grew up up alongside sorry, Eric B., who in turn introduced him to DJ Polo, and it seemed like that path was paved. There was no chance someone with the ear of Mali Ma would miss an opportunity to sign someone of G-Rap's talent. Even in his earliest work, it was evident he was something special in an era defined by very simplistic rhyme schemes and flows. As Charlie said, G-Rap popularized multi-syllabic rap, um, and he pushed it to the forefront of the mainstream and fundamentally changed how people would rap for the next 35 years. I'm going to read the wiki section about his legacy because I think it summarizes his legacy. I think a lot of people, certainly when we're doing these retrospectives on 80s artists that everyone considers to be crazily influential i feel like most of the rhetoric online is just like yeah this person is influential just because everyone says so and i don't want to get in trouble for saying that they're not influential so i'm just going to say they're influential what i like to do in these episodes is kind of explain why and like where you know where you have seen that influence in you know like three six episode was is so essential because like it just opened up the entire mainstream landscape from like 2016 on. You're like, holy shit, everything sounds like Memphis from like 2016 to 2022. It was crazy. So I'm going to read this section about G-Rap. Music journalist Peter Shapiro suggests that he created the blueprint for Nas, Biggie, and everyone who followed in their path. Cool G is described by Cool Mo D as the progenitor, the, the proge... I don't even know what that fucking word is, man. Bro, I tell you what, Cool Mo D is on another level. He's well above me. I don't know what that word is. So <laughs> I need to. I need to. I need to look at it in order to say it. So pro, pro, uh, progenitor. Progenitor. Is that how? What does that even mean, man? Progenitor. Where is yes, this, progenitor. This is operating on a higher level than I'm capable of. Just progenitor noun: a person or thing from which a person go away, uh, which a person, animal or plant is described. 
uh, is descended or originates an ancestor or parent. Well, there you go. So progenitor, um, like ancestor, not the worst. So Cool Modi is essentially saying that he is the ancestor and the prototype for Biggie, Jay-Z, Treach, Nori, Fat Joe, Big Pun, and about 25 more hardcore MCs. That's a direct quote. And Cool Modi also claims... Cool G Rap is the most lyrical out of all the artists mentioned. Out of all those artists that he's mentioned, he considers Cool G Rap to be the most lyrical. Rolling Stone said G Rap excelled at the streets narrative, a style that would come to define later Queens MCs like Nas. Now, I'm going to list off some of the rappers who have explicitly named him as influential. Biggie, Eminem, Jay-Z, uh, Souls of Mischief, Vinnie Paz, uh, Smith & Wesson, Havoc, um, MC Search, Terminology, Black Thought, MOP, Raekwon, RA the Rugged Man, Bum B, Radiga, RZA, Ghostface, um, Lady of Rage, Big Pun, Memphis Bleak, Corrupt, Pharaoh Action Bronson, Twist, it just keeps going on and on and on because it's just incredibly um, so influential. And, you know, unlike Kane last week who excelled in multiple lanes, Cool G Rap chose to focus on lyrical technique. That's where he wanted to be and storytelling. And in doing so, he set new standards for multi-syllable rhymes, breath control, and speed. And I think his breath control and his speed is a very essential part of his artistry, especially when we talk about the, the, the albums next week, DJ Polo albums. Because, you know, you listen to him in 1989 you're like, wow, this crazy. Like, it's just the level above everything else. You know, he was one of these people who just pushed music to the next level, pushed hip hop to the next level. Now, his love for hip hop stretches back as far as he can remember. He told Uncut in 2012 that his interest in rapping was sparked by hip hop in general. And he said, you know, he was there right at the fucking genesis. He was like, you know, I was 10 years old in parks where like they were having block parties. And he's like, I was hanging around the people who were the originators of hip hop. And he just said, I fell in love with it as soon as I heard it. Um, and he said, hip hop makes people gravitate towards it. And that was something that he felt like was essential to be part of his life. Now he spent his time in the park listening to Disco Twins, DJ Smalls, Eminem Crew, New York City Fat Girls, uh, Silky Sam. He once even saw Melly Mel and Grandmaster Flash at a park jam in his area. So all of this sparked a desire to rap and he gravitated towards other kids who rapped as well. In Queens, he formed his own rap crew, the Rappeteers, and they perform house parties. Um, and they must have had a decent buzz because uh, during the Uncut interview, G-Rap says that they actually linked up with Hervey Lovebug at one point, who was a genuine, genuine hip-hop legend. We mentioned Hervey Lovebug a few times on this pod. His introduction to Juice Crew was a little less lavish than Big Daddy Kane. All that happened was like good networking. Eric B introduced him to DJ Polo, who was looking to replace the rapper that he was working with over creative differences they were having. DJ Polo immediately locked him down and then introduced him to Marley Mal. Eric B introduced him to DJ Polo and... Um, you know, once they introduced him to Miley Mile, he was the 1980s version of Minted because once you knew Miley Mile, you were fucking in. So he allowed G-Rap and DJ Polo access to studio time and equipment, and the duo began work on their debut album, which we'll speak about in depth next week. It's interesting the way that Juice Crew evolved over time. You know, it was a very loose, loose, loose... Bro, I can't, I can't speak this morning. It was a very, it's 6 a.m. Loose-ish collection. Um, and G-Rap told David Meyer in 2020 that everyone would kind of fracture off into their little cliques. So he said, and I'll quote him, 
they were, there were certain members who hung around with other members. Uh, like Kane always ran with Biz, they were boys. There was a large group of us, so we all sectioned off. But when it came time to work together, they weren't really like egos or nothing. Marley was good at keeping us together and on the same page. He had so many ideas and we just ran with them. We all just had so many ideas to put forth. And it must have been such a crazy experience creating with just absolute legends. So he became enmeshed with the Juice Crew. He wasn't the last member to be added, but he did come well after the inception. He came after Shantae and MC Shan. He wasn't immediately brought on board. He told David Ma that he ran with the crew as an affiliate before he was officially brought in. He's actually quite humble in interviews, which actually doesn't link up with some of the things that other people have said about him, but we'll get to that. Um, he says, I'll read it from the David Ma quote. He says, a lot of excitement. Being affiliated with some of the best artists in hip hop ever is a privilege. It was an honor to be affiliated. The soil was fertile and we were the seed for Super Cruise and opened the door for cats like Wu-Tang. We made some of the best rap ever in a genre that ended up taking over the world, which is a lovely sentiment and it's the truth. I mean, Marley Mile has to take a lot of credit. He managed a very diverse group of MCs and artists and kept them all together through multiple drops, even though most of them were at the peak of the mainstream at the time. Like he kept them together, that's crazy. Um, and you know, as time progressed, G-Rap's enthusiasm was impossible to deny. He told David Ma, I was affiliated with Juice Crew at that point. I didn't even feel officially part of the group yet. It's not like they had a ceremony for me, for me or anything. I recorded my album at Marley's place and all of a sudden I was just down with the crew. And that's pretty much what happened. Uh, and one thing that I found interesting was, and it might be something to contemplate because, you know, G-Rap grew up alongside Eric B, for example, the DJ half of the greatest duo of the entire 1980s, if you're counting it as a duo, which you might not because Eric B, and again, G-Rap and Eric B had a massive falling out a few years after, you know, he was introduced to the Juice Crew because G-Rap, I don't think G-Rap has a lot of respect for DJs. I'm just going to put it out there, man. He was pretty disrespectful to Eric B. He's been very disrespectful in interviews to um, uh, DJ Polo. It's it's a bit rough. But he told DJ David Ma this. He said about Eric B. and why they didn't like link up. He said he wasn't really producing like that. He was more of a DJ like Polo. Not to say he didn't have anything to do with production. I mean, I picked a lot of those records on the first album that became full beats and songs, but I wasn't credited as producing it. In the same way, Eric B had a lot of influence on projects, but he never officially produced. We were just really close friends and I owe him a lot, which isn't really an answer, but anyway. Either way, DJ Polo and Cool G Rap were very successful um, and it propelled G Rap to have credits on Houdini, Bell, Biv, DeVoe, Heavy D and the Boys, D'Angelo. And in the end, G-Rap and DJ Polo broke up in order for G-Rap to pursue his solo career. And we're going to talk about those albums next week. But let's talk about his solo records now. 456, his debut album, 1995. Yes. So as uh, hinted at, this is uh, these works come after this is straight after the DJ Polo era. Um, it's a real it's a real comfortable split between the two eras. One ends, another one begins, and four five six is the beginning um, of Cool G Rap solo side. And um, I I think it's easy to say. I I personally think four five six is the best out of the bunch. Um, and you know, I I think that's maybe because I I just I just think it's really supreme. I think in terms of just sequencing, I think it's really tight. I think uh, it doesn't really waste time. It gets to the point, 
and the beats the beats hit um, a lot of Doctor Butcher, uh, Buck Wild, especially on Fast Life with Nas, Goated Track. Um, there's also a bonus track with uh, Salam Remy doing Fast Life. I actually haven't spun that yet, but I love me some Salam Remy, so might give that a spin at some point. Um, but yeah, you know, a lot of obviously um, different. Uh, I think really hones in on the um, on the uh, the the G in G rap um, and. We'll kind of get to that in the third album, just, you know, not to spoil it. Um, but we get into the G with the G rap when it comes to his solo work, um, especially his early stuff. And, well, for all of them, to be honest, all these solo albums kind of give off that essence of just, you know, that, uh, that um, you know, just, well, gangster rap, right? But not in the way of how you see, you know, um, NWA gangster rap. That's more like, you know, that's the... That's the LA street stuff, but New York street stuff, I feel like has this different essence towards it. Um, and obviously that's, you know, predicated on how West Coast made their own sound, etc, etc. And uh, the NY scene just obviously went more dingy, more dark to really reflect where they were at. Um, I feel like that's an interesting difference that needs to be noted when it comes to um, how New York artists saw themselves um, especially from a production side, um, you know, it's, you go from Curtis Blow, breaks on a bus, breaks on the car, and then, you know, 10 years later, it's called G-Rap, just rapping over the dingiest shit, and, um, it's real, and they're both real, they're both authentic, but, um, you know, the, the dinginess of New York City living, um, really comes to the forefront, um, when it comes to the likes of Cool G-Rap, and he, did bring that kind of shit in, he really, like we said, like we're going to keep saying, paved the way in a lot of ways, and the production was a very big, um, was a very big part of that, um, lyrically, of course, um, just, uh, we probably should have, <laughs> we probably should have, uh, done the lyric game like we did the DDK last week, because, you know, it, it, it's, it's easy, it's not hard, <laughs> it's, it's not hard to, find a um a, a cool g rap track that where the bars are just like jesus christ this is crazy um so you know uh, it's easy to do but um i i really enjoy you know stuff like uh stuff like fast life to be honest because the i like the, the the aspirational nature of it of that particular track and i feel like you know he does that now and again um but he does it in different ways as the albums go um, but I just, I, I really like the, the authoritative, I guess, um, nature he brings towards this particular record, and it kind of, kind of starts, literally starts with him, um, doing a kind of like a skit, so to speak, of him, uh, just pulling up to a dice game, and they all know who he is, and, and he's like, I'm gonna take you lots of money, and, you know, and then they proceed, and then the album sees to go, so, um, <clears throat> When he sets that tone, I think it really um, is a really good tone setter as skits go. I think it really, um, it really brings it home. And uh, yeah, the album's just a really superb album, man. I, I don't really have much uh, uh, many ills towards it. Uh, maybe there's some lyrics I missed uh, throughout listening. Because as you can imagine, when listening to Cool G Rap for the space of a week... Uh, there's a lot of lyrics that are gonna <laughs> that are gonna fly by, <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure I've probably missed a few um, as I go. Um, but yeah, man, I, I I enjoy this album a lot. I I think it's really um, 
uh, was it progenic <laughs> i feel like it's really it really uh is that kind of um uh, fl- uh flashpoint album that touchstone album that i feel a lot of rappers after this time um really go back to and i'm sure for a lot of them that was the first time spinning cool g rap and really fucking with them yeah definitely i mean it came out what 95 and then we got reasonable doubt in 96 and then you know diddy and shiny suits and all sorts of stuff after that but like this was by far the commercial peak of g-rap's solo career it came out in cold chillin and that's an interesting story within itself because cold chillin managed to keep these truly iconic artists well into their commercial prime it was a bit of a haven for 80s rappers i mean we got albums from MC Sham, Biz, Big Daddy Kane, G-Rap, DJ Polo, like Biz Never Sleeps, Bad Sister, Master Ace, Take a Look Around. Um, crazy, crazy. Historic Words, run. Words from the Genius as well came out on Cold Historic Chillin'. run. Like genuinely, mm-hmm. really amazing. And this was the final major studio album to ever drop on the label. Nothing, I mean, they dropped a bunch of compilations and represses after this, but this was the last album, major album to drop on the label. And, you know, we're going to talk about what happened with the label next week because there is a story about that and DJ Polo and it links up with Ice-T. It's very interesting. But this album charted uh, 24 on the Billboard 200. Um, his only other entry on that chart was 185 for Live and Let Die with DJ Polo. So this one was, there was a lot of push behind it. Fast Life charted on the Hot 100, number 74. I think propelled a lot by the Nas feature. You know, I think Nas is incredible. And, you know, I think G-Rap is the best part of this album. The production isn't going to win too many awards. Um, I I think it was a bit dated. Even uh, For the Brothers is a nice groove, but it does sound like a beat from 1989. Like, it doesn't sound, you know, 995. Fast Life is a standout track on the album, it really is. And I think G-Rap matches Nas's smooth flow expertly. And Nas's verse is fire. Even the hook is tolerable. Uh, you know, it's, it's not amazing. But um, yeah, it was wild, man. I, I think Nas got him on that track. I don't think anyone except AZ was going to compete with Nas in 94 or 95. I think he was just on another level. The album is best for me when G-Rap just sounds like he's rapping uninhibited, you know, like Ghetto Knows. This is my first ever listen to this album, and 1995 was an odd time in rap because so many albums had dropped in the previous three years that it changed the entire sonic landscape, and a lot of artists got stuck between eras in this, this period. I feel like the beats on this record suffered a little bit from that. They felt like they were a bit of a hangover from the early 90s. You know, the, as I said earlier, the album's not without its controversy. Um, we're going to talk about what happened to Cold Chillin' and the third album with DJ Polo next week, but it did result in a very difficult label situation. This was coupled with G-Rap's desire to return to the underground on this record, evidenced by the fact that he'd been working with actual R&B legends, but instead chose Nas as the guest for his major single. I mean, there were artists in his Rolodex that would have popped him up way higher on that Hot 100 chart. I think that's a telling choice because that hook was never going to allow that song to chart anywhere near the peak of the chart. So the fact that it did actually chart and the fact that this album made it to 24 on the Billboard 200 is proof that like the people who took over Sony, so Sony took over the distribution of the record. They did a very good job of getting people to buy it. I remember the pre-streaming era. Okay, I remember it vividly. Albums were like 20 to 30 dollars. And, you know, if it was a new album from a new artist, you like, and, and this this was G-Rap's reintroduction into the hip-hop game, into the into the mainstream landscape. I mean, yeah, he'd been with DJ Polo, but like, you know, Rakim was not able to transition out. 
Will Smith didn't transition out for years later, like not until the late 90s when he really transitioned out. So that like rapper DJ dynamic of the 80s was very potent. And, you know, that was a self-contained group just because people like Cool G Rap in that duo does not necessarily mean they were going to go buy his album immediately. There had to be something on it. And I think the Nas track was a perfect, perfect way to market the album. It's like these two artists, one of them who has just dropped one, potentially the greatest hip hop album of all time. And the person who influenced him getting on the lead single of Cool G Rap's debut album, that's fucking sick. So look, it's a great album. It's it's not my favorite G Rap album, um, but I enjoy it immensely. Like, yeah, and as there's no bad lyrics on this, man. To be honest, all the bad lyrics come with DJ Polo albums. I, I didn't hear anything on these albums that I was like, ooh. I may have missed stuff myself, but like, yeah, I didn't hear okay, anything. Okay, good. One's just albums. me then. Good. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, Reese of Evil comes good next. And uh, yeah, it's just that. It's, uh, it's a weird thing. And the reason why I. The main reason why I enjoyed 456 over all the others was mainly because of the production. I just felt he felt the most at home in in that album. Um, but that's not to say that um, maybe lyrically there's better moments uh, in the other albums. I'm intrigued to see what's, uh, which, which is your favourite of the bunch. I'm going to guess Giancaro's story. Um, but... Yeah, you know, Roots of Evil's cool. Um, obviously a little bit longer, really just uh, you know, plants his feet in. Um how do you feel about a thug's love story? It's a, a nine minute epic storytelling epic. Um and <laughs> I think the thing that threw me off was just the like the beginning of it. And it was just like, okay, and then it just gets real serious in the third part, and I'm just like yeah, but the first part was weird. Like, I don't know. It's just because it was coming back to back to back. It just, uh, I don't know about the, I don't know. It might have, it threw me off a little bit in terms of content. Um, but as a yeah. feat, yeah. as a storytelling I, feat, I yeah. fucking respect it. I think a lot of the time he did that, like just as a feat, as you say, like I feel like especially on his solo albums, he really tried to push the storytelling a lot harder than the duo albums. And I think that this was probably just a, one of those. Like, it's a massive track. Like, it's a huge undertaking. You're like, nine minutes? Holy shit. And, yeah, it's it's a big one. It's a big one. Um, but, yeah, on the storytelling front, I feel like uh, stuff like uh, One Dark Night is just needs to be studied, needs needs scholarly study in how fucking good this is. Like, just, just like, close your eyes to this vision, right? The, the picture painting is perfect. Right, last night. This is first verse, first line from from onwards. Right, just easy picture painting. He just makes it look so easy. Just how he does it, how he crafts it. Last night got caught in a gunfight. I think it was like four niggers clutching they burners and busting, but only could see one in sight. The one in my right, one on my right, yo son. He like we both got gripe. He wanted my life. Committed nigger with a gun and a knife. He trying to <laughs> trying to make me the wiped out nigger. Laying up under the white, but I ain't trying to go up in no dark tunnel and brung to the light. Bars, just it just is so. I just I just really apart from maybe like Big L, I don't really, I can't. I don't. I, there's nobody that really just paints a picture for me. Um, it's it's cool G and Big L, like the way they when they're just on ten and they have a good story to tell, they will put their freaking foot in it. 
and um one dark knight is a highlight for me personally i do like the boss's lady um shout to chameleon um who comes through the second verse and just uh you know has this uh you know back and forth we called you rap and i really like that it's just um I just, I just like the fun of it. It's it really, it's really an enjoyable listen. Um, but yeah, man, this is just a, this is it. This is this is mafioso cool G rap era. This is just it. This is the epitome of it. He's, I mean, the fucking song titles, bruv, like mobsters, foul cats, tequila sunrise with killer into instead of tequila, the boss's lady, mafioso, thugs anthem, the heat cannon fire it's just let the games begin it's just so i mean even, even the fucking um even the fucking uh uh, uh uh album artwork is like a mixture of godfather and scarface you know what i mean it's it's just he's going for it he's, he's going for the vision and to be fair he, he achieves it he really he really achieves it with this uh with this album it's a very it's very film-like it's very much a movie um, a bunch of storytelling, uh, a bunch of just mob shit, and, you know, the, and obviously brought home with the, uh, multitude of, you know, just, uh, inclusions of Scarface clips, or whatever, gangster film, it's Wu-Tang, bro, it's literally Wu-Tang, but it's Scarface instead of, <laughs> instead of Shaolin versus Wu-Tang, it's literally it, it's, it's, nailed it, bro, it's just nailed it, nailed the, had the aesthetic, had the vision, Executed perfection. Charlie loves a G rap. Eh? <laughs> I'm just, I'm just being, obj- I'm just being objective. Yeah, like, like he ain't. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. I, I don't listen to him that hard. But, um, but every time I do, I'm just like, just impressive, bruv He's just impressive. This album is a banger, man. This is a straight up banger. I'm a bit disappointed in myself that I never spun this record before. I think that reflects poorly upon me because. I think this is great. Skits? No, 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 the skits. But apart from the skits, the first thing that hit me with the, the beats, I thought the beats were incredible. And then the guest man, Papoose, came in, and I completely forgot late 90s Papoose. And then I was like thrown straight back into it, like, oh gosh, he was our cannabis. <laughs> like, he really was. <laughs> Genuinely, man. And you know, Cool G Rap brought him into the game. So we have him to thank for Papoose, and he told Uncut. Uh, he'd already been working with a producer out of Brooklyn. He introduced me to him. Then I started working with Papoose and Jinx. I got Jinx side to Def Jam Records. Jinx was really young. I think he was 15 years old. And he had half a million dollar deal with Def Jam. But he didn't run with the right crowd and all that. And he started getting into a lot of legal trouble. I guess it became too much of a headache. And they wiped their hands of the project. Which you can tell when Cool G Rap talks about, um, you know, artists that he's brought along. He gets very passionate about it. It's very important to him. And Jinx skated on that track. Like, skated. He might have even had a better verse than Papoose somehow. I don't know how that's possible. And, you know, G Rap playing cleanup hitter. It felt really great on that track because it was almost like he brought these two elite hungry rappers and here is G-Rap. And you got to remember, this is nine years after his debut album, okay? 12 years after his debut single, he was still spitting with hunger and venom and still pushing himself as an MC. And I really respect that. And, you know, just to link up with what we're going to talk about at the end of this, that's why people are criticizing Drake because he doesn't push himself anymore. Like, it's great to hear Ooh. these artists like G-Rap pushing Ooh. himself and like putting himself... Like, he could get washed by his own fucking rappers. A 15-year-old, you don't get washed by a 15-year-old in your own song. But that was bravery, I think. You know, that was bravery and trust in his own ability. 
you know, while this might only be his second solo album, it's his fifth record. And, you know, I, the hunger on this is incredible. I found the complex entry on this album very interesting. I'll read it out. In hindsight, Cool G Rap's mafioso obsession played as much a part in his artistic decline as his poor choices in production. After all, there are only so many times you can hear John Gotti rhymed with sawn off shoddy before you wish someone would... And I'm not going to do that because then they're saying some nasty oh, stuff. Well, so is, if Mafioso raps already antiquated in the eyes of complex. Fuck it up. So I'll continue reading because it's interesting. <laughs> From 1993 to 2000-ish, G-Raps' I just watched a HBO documentary on the mob shtick was a joy to behold, culminating in his 98-hour... <laughs> I know, but it's complex, bro. They had to say some shit. They gotta sell their they gotta sell little HBO. magazines. They gotta sell little <laughs> magazines, man. <laughs> That's funny. It says That's um funny. producers Dr. Butcher and CJ Moore provided his most consistent backdrop since 1990's One and Dead or Alive. Queen's most vividest vividest author was in such picturesque form that even his rapping yes, bodyguard words, goons were blessed with ghost-written lines better than other rappers' whole albums, like Turn Your Cabbage Into Coleslaw and Me and These Cats, We Making a Living Making Sure You Don't, which, is, again, you know, great bars, and that's what you're going to get in a, a Cool G rap. So according to Complex, Cool G rap's commercial decline was due to his unwavering dedication to the mafioso subgenre, which is, I, I mentioned that in, in like intentionally because it's saying g-rap is referenced often in interviews simply just saying that this is the life that he grew up within he was surrounded by it growing up he says you know i he said in interviews i enjoy movies i enjoy coming up with stories i enjoy storytelling but he's like i grew up you know these are all all the stories i tell have some basis in fact and experience not necessarily things that he went through but things that he observed and we've heard this a million times from rappers so many times with people like you don't live your rhymes and they're like well you know not everyone lives every single word that they've ever rhymed and you know g-rap was a storyteller and i think that 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 complex stuff was just so stupid like it's just in hindsight it looks mental um but yeah man look this is a great fucking album it really was um G-Rap told David Marr about his approach to the album. He said, I've always liked the concept of making a project that is all about the writing, where the written essence is the most important aspect. I think I did that with Live and Let Die, but I really wanted this one to be like a movie. I think it was received pretty well, and I was still able to be technical without being overdone. And I do like that explanation, because I think it does sum up the scope of this record. I think he definitely expressed his technical ability, but it didn't feel overbearing to me. You know, I think the whole thing flows quite naturally didn't he didn't get like we didn't get eminem levels of disappearing up his own asshole trying to like rap like a fucking lawnmower like you know what i mean like he didn't try and just do silly stuff it was a very listenable album and it actually came during some issues for g-rap so he was allegedly allegedly banished from new york by eric b and had to record the album in arizona I've seen the incident reference regularly. Complex even dedicated an entire section to it. They said Roots of Evil was recorded when Cool G-Rap was hiding out in Arizona after the dispute with a certain infamous New York non-producer. It's complex, so I don't know how true that is. But like, look, I don't normally deal in rumors, but this one was quite interesting because allegedly Eric B. ran Cool G-Rap, allegedly, 
allegedly. I'm not saying this happened. It's just what this is rumor. Ran him out of town because GRAP revealed that Large Professor produced a bunch of tracks that Eric B has credit on. Now, we spoke about this in depth in our Eric B and Rakim episode. It's very interesting that the two former friends would have such a falling out. G-Rap does not talk about it in interviews. He acknowledges that he was in Arizona at the time, but he does not go on after that. He's just like, yeah, I was in Arizona. So what? I recorded the album. So there's no, nothing going to come from G-Rap in that. Um, but from all this, then we get the Giancana story, which is very fucking interesting album. My favorite. There we go. Called it. There it is. Ding. Point to me. Um, it's it's a it's an album that I think really um, yeah I think I think it was the you know the culmination of everything he's done so far right it, it kind of it's just everything was going to lead up to this you know you have the rags to riches and that was a great album but now he just needs to you know what's the G and cool G rap it's Giancarna. Who knew, right? Some people said genius, but it's Giancarlo. Um, and this also relates to the uh, former mob boss of the Chicago outfit, Sam Giancana, um, who, uh, Chicago outfit, for those who don't know, it's the same one that, you know, Al Capone led as well um, back the, back in the day. Um, and, yeah, Giancarlo uh, died in 75 to gunshot wounds. Oh, crazy. How did that happen? Um, and apparently the Chicago outfit is still going. Who knew? Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't keep up with mob stuff like that hard. But anyway. Um, but yeah, Charlie's Giancana's story. Um, it's kind of just right that, that really, I think, just <laughs> let's talk about the Giancarna story. Um, yeah, it's an album that I feel like is a combination of just everything he's done so far, especially as a solo career, and just brought it to the forefront. And, you know, let's just do that full concept. Let's do it. Let's, let's fucking do it. I said I referenced Rack to Riches as a movie, and this kind of brings that home as, you know, a movie. Um, producers, your homie Bink, Buck Wild, Jazzo, Rock Wilder, AZ... On that, tr- uh, what track was that? Um, I think it was Hollaback. Fuck. Just, oh, just so hard. It just went so hard on that one. Um, uh, Capone Noriega, Havoc, Joel Ortiz, Prodigy. Ton of ton of uh, features on here, and um, I, I, I can't I, I can't re- I, I can't recall one being bad. Um, they all pre- hit pretty much uh, hard as hell. Um, for me, the highlight track, I would say, for me, is like something like Black Widow, because he's not just telling a story of like something that he could have, you know, that he's told before, right? He can easily tell a story about him doing something, of course, but this one, he really goes all in to tell a story about this, albeit fi- maybe fictional woman, right? Um, and it's just so vivid, again, it's the, the vivid nature of his bars when you're reading them is crazy, she was a tight bird, female version of Iceberg, to put in the right words, played the right curves, beige and white birds, the type she served was, it was quite superb, ran through the city in a white suburb, living in predominantly white suburb, 
She liked the urn rocking all the richest type of furs, making life submerge. If you strike a nerve, dough, she liked to splurge. Shining with light blurs from off her fingers, honey was off the ringer. The way she tossed a flame on 94, walked in the danger behind the war fort with the banger. And he just keeps going and going. There's three verses of this, man. And the third verse is crazy. It just goes to like this really basically just how she died and it's, cr- it's crazy it's, it's so good um uh skirt slash first class don Am- donny Amber- amber glasses flirt with her lashes snapshot smirk for the flashes plot to leave her murked in the masses two kinning experts on the grasses uh put in they tech work for the caches leave the earth hurt with a passion so, so i'm gonna stop there put in they tech work for the caches who words it like that that's fucking crazy Tech, Tech 9, for the caches. It's just, I don't know, it's just how that, that one line structured for me just blows my fucking mind because you don't talk like that, but it's just the way, I don't know, it's crazy. Uh, leave the hurt her with a passion. Two loud shots bursting in action. Made a head jerk from the blasting. Lady down holding her shit gasping. Hit by another turf assassin. Reason, uh, reason not even worth asking. The facts are real though. Got a cat peeled for stacking real dough. Lifestyle bri- brillo when you're rolling f- for krill dough. Death of a black widow. It's just, oh, it goes so hard, bro. The storytelling's crazy. It's so original. It's so fresh. I'm here for it. And um, yeah, man, it's a, it's a real, uh, it's just a ton of freaking good storytelling. Thug Chronicles. Like a don from out of Sicily, underarms where the pistol be, top of your forehead, the kiss will be. It's just, oh, man, it's crazy, it's crazy, man. I can, I can, it, it, it Raps is one of those dudes where I, I've said this before, but I really just want a book. Just give me a lyric book of these people, put some nice aesthetics on it, and perfect coffee table reading, man. It's perfect. I don't know why, why has nobody done this yet? Like, just, it's, it, you see the, um, you see, like, the uh, rapper baseball card things, um, the likes of, like, Sky Zoo and Backwards Wii you've done, right, have, have participated in. And I fuck with those heavy. As collectibles, I'd fuck with them, right? Um, give me a lyric book, bro. Give me a lyric book of J. Gorgie Raps bars. Please, please. It's, it's, I, I don't know what I don't know what he needs. Uh, I mean, if he's going to act gangster about it, he's going to be like, you know, give me 80% of the proceeds. But, um, yeah, man, just... <laughs> Minimum, but yeah, man. This is this is so easy to just like get lost in his bars and just uh and just admire the craft of it. Um, as a hip hop nerd, it's just it's it's great. It's funny because like before you started mentioning lyric book, I was like, you were talking like Jay Z was talking in decoded because he talks, he gasses up like he's gassing up Biggie's gassing up Cool G rap in the book exactly the same way. It's like the way they said things was just crazy he's like and he was like talking about the technical aspects of it he'd be like they'd start a rhyme here and instead of doing it and it's just and i you know cool g rap and just artists like explaining their own process would just be so fucking cool to have in a book this album is amazing i love this amazing this album um it was despite not charting at all with his previous album he was still a marketing like 
a marketable star at least in the late 90s, a bidding war had uh, ensued for his signature and three separate high-profile record deals were offered to him at the turn of the century. Now, he chose to sign with Raucus, which in turn bestowed him $1.5 million, which is fucking epic. And I like the context around this because Roots of Evil was not a mainstream-sounding album, but Mafioso Rapid exploded in the mid-90s, and I do think a lot of labels were expecting that to translate into the 2000s. I mean, Ghostface had Supreme Clientele, Diddy had Locks, Swizzy had DMX, Jay-Z existed, Biggie was still the pinnacle, you know, Born Again and the Biggie Duets. Biggie Duets? I mean, that, that blew the up. The Biggie Duets? The Biggie Duets. Nas was still going number one. Um, it was a wild time. And, you know, you look at it, Cool G Rap looks like the perfect artist to bring into that mainstream landscape. He's seen mainstream success. He has a fan base. He's an originator. He's not difficult to market. But Raucous completely fucked it up absolutely fucked it like this this album was way better before they completely destroyed it so there's a brilliant piece from red bull music academy i'm going to talk a lot about this album and not so much about the next ones because this is kind of my favorite and it's there's a lot of story behind it so the oral history of the album comes from red bull music academy and the piece seems to confirm the rumors that g-rap was on the outer because of his incident with eric b so cj moore wrote and cj moore is obviously producer um, produced most of Roots of Evil and I think a lot of 456. Um, so he says, Cool G Rap went around to everybody from the large professors, the Lord Finesses, Easy Mobies, the prim- DJ Premiers, all of the producers who were hot at the time, they wouldn't mess with him. Like CJ Moore just straight up and said, no one fucked with him because of what happened. This isn't terminal because, you know, outside of Buckwild and Salam Remy, the bulk of his solo work has been produced by C.J. Moore and Dr. Butcher. But it did highlight the precarious nature of G-Rap's reputation at the time. It's not so easy to market an artist who has been exiled to Arizona and shunned by production legends, allegedly. I'm just going to say allegedly. Now, C.J. Moore explains that the album was recorded in Arizona before the Raucous deal, and they actually presented the finished product to Raucous, who signed him off the strength of the album. But G-Rap seemed intent on pulling himself back up to the surface, so he told Red Bull, I was doing so many features at the time that I began to resurface again. The Mob Deep feature, The Realist, was like a knockout of the park. It made everyone start paying attention again. That track was a realist, but he was flooding the market, man. Nori, Pete Rock, uh, Nature, Akinelli, Funk Flex, Big L, Soul Assassins. He built his own buzz back up, like by himself. Now, Mike Heron, who was working with the label, said that Raucous signed him because they wanted a hard album. But once he was signed, they had changed the approach and asked him to tone the album down. So Heron said they didn't understand G-Rap anymore. It was weird. It didn't make sense. I envisaged his comeback album to be really gritty with features from Nas and Mob Deep, a celebration of his career as the pioneer gangster from Queens. It would have been edgy. Havoc would have done the beats, real Queens shit. And I'm sure it would have sold a lot of records. But the label were on some pop shit. Like they wanted him to get some plastic surgery and get a fucking time machine. And G-Rap wasn't trying to do that. So Heron simply said they they paid a million dollars for G-Rap and then they tried to change him. Now the frustration was shared around. CJ Moore said that he and Dr. Butcher had a massive disagreement with Cool G-Rap that actually resulted in them not even working in the same room together by the end of the project. The label would not be deterred though. You can see this is turning into a complete mess. They sent him to Virginia to record with Pharrell, which resulted in an actual standoff between G-Rap and Pharrell, who was trying to con- Pharrell was trying to convince him to rap on his production in the 2000s. This is 2000s Pharrell. 
You cut your own fucking leg off to get a Pharrell beat, bro. Get that four-bar intro and just like... Like, just, bro, come on. you got to be on Pharrell production. But G-Rap was like, I don't want you. I don't want to rap on this. It's not me. Like, that's crazy. Um, G-Rap just refused. He drove all the way back. Just He drove there, was in the studio for 20 minutes, like, I'm not doing this shit. Got in the car, drove back home, which is pretty fucking, that's hardcore. Dr. Butcher said, maybe it could have been a big, commercial, big successful commercial record for him, maybe not. But he wasn't willing to sacrifice who he was just to have some corny commercial record. That's what you're always up against when you're dealing with record companies. So in the end, the label situation caused a huge, caused a huge fallout between G-Rap and his production collaborators, CJ Moore and Dr. Butcher. Moore actually claims that G-Rap disrespected him and Butcher's role in getting him the deal in the first place. They said that they helped him get the deal, and once he had the deal, he decided to spend his budget on producers he'd never worked with before, like Buck Wild, rather than paying them what they were owed. It almost ended in an actual fight between CJ Moore and G-Rap in the studio. So in the end, the album dropped two years after it was meant to release on an entirely different label and an entirely different track list to the original, which has been bootlegged and stuck in so many different deals, it was never going to come out in its entirety. So the original does exist, and it is great. Um, everyone who's listened to it is just like, this is way better. And it, it remains one of those great what-ifs. You know, if Raucus had just let G-Rap do whatever the fuck he wanted to do, put out the album that he wanted to put out, just see what it did, man. Just see what happened. I mean, Master Ace dropped in, what, a couple of years after that, and that's it iconic classic album because it was just no one touched it just like let it come out let the classic come out if it takes 15 years for people to pick up on it let it that you know g-rap has never been an artist that was going top 10 first week he's never done that so like just let him do it but no the album is great i i enjoyed them a lot man they they cut some crazy features from it like cut some crazy features but it's a brilliant record it really is um it's my favorite of his i can't imagine what the original was like it must have just been stompingly good but you know this was kind of the end of g-rap's mainstream career this was just the last kind of it, it really petered out after this um but yeah man it's it's solid you ain't kidding because Jesus Christ, the next album put Half me a clip. in a tailspin. T- put me in a fucking tailspin, geez. Half an hour and still too long. What is going on with this album? <laughs> That's a bar. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bar. How, how, was, how did this album have happened? I, I just don't get it. And I feel like even listening to this album, production-wise, just so 2000s did my nothing. Um, I, I just th- that aside, I feel like he kind of just let his foot off the gas lyrically. I feel like, and you know, I'm not gonna go ahead and just read every you know song just to am I am I crazy and thinking it. Just as I was listening to it, it felt, it felt, it felt phoned in. It felt kind of just mid, like zero point five speed. You know what I mean? Not full pelt. It felt 50%. And I, I just don't get how it went from Giancana to this. It's just, it just it didn't make sense. And I was kind of thinking as I was like, um, as I was listening to this, I was thinking back to the uh, the Kane episode last week. And I was just like, maybe this is why Kane didn't do an album after Veterans Day. Maybe, maybe this is why. Because, um, you know, some some people just don't know when to stop 
You know what I mean? And I'm mm. not saying Cool Giraffe should have retired after Giancana by any means. No. Um, no artist retires. That is a ethos that I keep in myself. That no artist retires. There's no such thing as an artist retiring. Um, they die. That's it. <laughs> That's the only time they're retiring is when they hit the ground uh, for the final time. So, you know, I don't... I don't it's, it's something that I don't know if... if um, if there was a fear there, but um, on on Kane's side, but there was clearly just nothing here for me, um, for me personally, and I just don't, I just don't understand. And even the names, right? There's a, there's a DJ Premier beat on a couple of these, um, and then the rest is these dudes called Domingo and uh, you know Frank Dukes and Nomadic. There's a Marnie Mar beat. Frank Dukes That's is crazy. a legend. In, 20, in, in 20, 2006 and two thousand seven, um, that's that's crazy to have a Marley Marl beat. But yeah. yeah, man, just oh, this oh, this this album just really just sent me in a tailspin. I was just like, how in in the space of six years, what happened? <laughs> and I will say, the next couple of albums, Richard Royalty and Respect and Return of the Dawn and Last of Die and Breathe, are better. So you know, this is just a this is a blip, not a trend for me. I will say that. But fuck me, what a blip. It just didn't make sense to me. It's the shortest album out the bunch, but yeah. it just really just oh left the worst taste in my mouth. It's funny, man, because I like this album. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> yeah. Come on, the production, bro. bro. You go, no. This is the production, man. Like To get Frank Dukes on a track in like this the late 2000s is very rare, man. Like Marley Marl Primo on here. I just like that kind of... I like that sound. I just can't help it. I don't care what you're rapping over the top of mid-2000s beats. Does not matter. Does not matter. I am going to call it a fucking classic. I'm going to buy it on vinyl and put it on my fucking wall. What do you think I've got up there? That's fabulous. From nothing to something. It's not even a good album, but I fucking love it because it sounds like mid-2000s. Okay, That's just what I do. So I like this album just for that. that. You're, just, you're that. really just that guy. We're, we're, just we're always going to be a part on that one. We're something wrong with me. <laughs> Riches, royalty, <sighs> respect. Oh, you, so hey, you like it? Nothing else to say. Piss off. Bro, I talked a lot. I've already talked a lot. <laughs> yeah, I know you did, but just piss off. Like you didn't like it that much. You didn't like it that much. I thought it was good. Shit. It was solid. No, you did. You did think it was good. You did think it was good. Um, right. Yes. Yeah, so, Riches, royalty, respect. Yes. Return to form. Mm. Happy to say, return to form. Um, uh, the 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 rate the ratings don't say so. Um, it's a lot of threes and three and a halves here, but um, sure yeah, that. is what it is. It's a bit rough. Um, you know, I, just, I, I I'm I'm here for it. I'm here for it. There's some good stuff on here. I like American Nightmare with Havoc, Alchemist Beat. There you go. Shout when when Alchemist did drums. Remember those? Um, another Marley Mar beat. Didn't even clock that. So yeah, big ups to him. And then another just a litany of um. Producers I admittedly haven't heard of, but I fuck with um, off the back of this. I like 70s Gangstar, Pillow Talk. Uh, didn't like Sad and Maggie. I think that the production on those two tracks kind of threw me off. Um, but yeah, th- this is it's just a little bit step a step above. This ain't on the four, five, six Max Richards, Giancarlo level. And let's be real, none of these albums after after um, half, uh, half a clip make those levels. Just want to state that. But it's above the previous album for sure, so I'll take that to the bank. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this was different, a little bit different. I It reminded me a little bit of American Gangster by Jay-Z because it had a real throwback to some 70s funk. Like, it just it felt just a little bit different. Production lineup includes Alchemist, as Charlie said. Um, 
And you know, that track with Havoc's amazing. G-Rap and Havoc really do have a nice creative vibe. And you know, I felt like it was a return to form because it felt like, you know, look, I like half a clip, but it's just, it just felt like Lucy's. It kind of felt like there was no real concept or no real, I don't know, not that much thought behind what he was doing. But Rich's royalty respect, that kind of felt like he went back to that storytelling cinematic vibe. And uh, I enjoyed it, man. I, I thought it was really solid. Um, and I'll talk about Return of the Dawn. This one was interesting because the guest list is epic, right? Fred the Godson, Nori, Lil Fame, Freeway, Raekwon, Sheik Luch, Cormega, Terminology, Saigon, King Crooked, Willie the Kid, Sean Price, Rest in Peace, Ransom, Conway, West Guy Gun, which actually closes the album. Um, incredible, man. Like, to have Rest in Peace, this wild rock beat with young and hungry Griselda legends just spitting fire song. The whole album is amazing to me, and I think every single guest hits on here. This is a really great late career album. You know, and that's something that I've always, like, we've spoken many times on this pod about artists getting five, six, seven albums in, and we're just like, oh, God, another one? Come on now. Like, you're just going to put out the same album again? I kind of feel like at that point, if you're not going to start switching your sound up and doing crazy shit, go into your Rolodex and just get some of these legends. Like, especially legends like Cool G Rap. Imagine the people he could get on a record. I mean, I think he dropped a record with Kane last year or the year before. That was incredible, that song. Like, so I, I enjoyed this project immensely. It really switched it up a little bit. And to have such a wide array of guests who were all spitters. I mean, they're all great rappers. Um, yeah, man, this is, this is a really good project. I enjoyed this immensely. I'll go back to this regularly. Yeah, and um, this is around the same time he did a project with 30 Special as well. Um, mm. So there's that too. I remember Shout enjoying that immensely. Um, but yeah, I agree with you on the feature front. Um, Nori on Criminal Outfit, Fire, uh, Raekwon. Um, terminology on running was really good uh, individual performance I like the world uh, World is mine that was really good um, and yeah, yeah a little fame on freeway I like the lyrics on that wasn't really too into production on that one um, I like times up that's the only solo uh, well and the first track but properly cool G rap on the uh, uh, times up was really good um, I find um <laughs> okay yeah no it's, it's, it's good it's good it's good I'll, I'll leave it at that but yeah um, it's a Charlie pulled himself back from the ledge there <laughs> I, I did I'm, I'm not gonna bother but um, yeah it's fine I've, 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 we've, we've talked we've, we're talking enough I'm not gonna I'm not gonna start fires for no reason um, but yeah no I agree with you it's, it's, an, it's an album that is just like yeah just fuck it get some features in um, and I will say I think I feel like it, it's a it's an album maybe with too many features just because I don't really think Koji Rap actually puts his foot in it um, in terms of uh, presence um, mm, as much I feel. Yep. Um, but regardless of that, you know that's that's a him problem. I'm sure he don't care that much um, as long as his tracks snap um, and th- and they do. So I can't complain. Yeah, and then we get Last of a Dying Breed. Um, look, Fly Till I Die, that's the song I was referencing. One of my favorite tracks of 2022 is an incredible song. Got 38 Special, AZ, Grandmaster Kaz on here. 
And you know, one thing I'll say about these later career albums is the lyrical approach seems to be quite similar because he can clearly rap, but he hasn't fixated on the technical aspect. As I said earlier about Eminem, you know, he hasn't deconstructed. Yeah, just relaxes on it, doesn't he? Yeah, he's exactly. just chill, man. And you know, this album's called Last of a Dying Breed, so there's pressure on a title like that. It's like, well, you know, you got to kind of live up to that. And you know, G-Rap said of his late 90s output that he wanted to showcase his ability and push things forward, but not get so stuck that he'd stop making listenable music. And his desire to work with contemporary producers and sounds on the Giancana story is proof that he always wanted success. It just he was never going to compromise his artistic value to get it. And he kind of settled into this nice groove in the mid to late career where he just did things the way he wanted to do them. And you know, I do think that that contributed to the breakdown in his relationships with Eric B, DJ Polo, CJ Moore, and Dr. Butcher. He doesn't shy away from talking about any of those. Sit- Sorry, he does shy away from talking about any of those situations in depth. He doesn't talk about it. Like, it's not something that he talks about, even on Wax, which is a bit, I thought that's a bit weird. Um, but yeah, man, look, I don't know what else to say. Like, I'm a bit shocked at this one because, like, I kind of thought. I don't know. G-Rap's a fucking legend, and I just thought that these albums would be more spoken of, or they would have charted higher, or I don't know. But like, they're all so good. They're all so solid. They're all like top tier. I mean, those first three solo albums, bro, they're eight plus out of ten, all of them, maybe nine. Like, incredible records. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Scaring the hose, man. That's 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 the crux of it. Just just scared the hose too much. <laughs> Don't want to scare the hose. <laughs> Just scare the hose too much. Um, I do remember listening to Lost of Dying Breed um, for the for the app uh, for the pod and. Um, uh, t- t- you mentioned nice. You just don't rate uh, in a lady chopper. I just don't rate Nems. I just can't get into him. Really? Uh, That's interesting. Just, I just can't. Yeah. Just can't. I could see that. Was some shit. I could see it's that. It's just abrasive. It's just. It's just so abrasive. So it just really grinds my gears sometimes. Yeah, listen to him. Um, not even vocally, but just what he says. I'm just like, okay, sure. Anyway, um, love Big Daddy Kane link up. Um, I fly till I die, like you said, absolute tune. Classic. And uh, I think after the, funnily enough, after the Nems track, I think the album just gets really good. Um, 38 special AZ on Born Hustler, tough, tough track. Very um, official. Um, yeah, banger track. Um, Born and raised, like you said, with uh, Grandmaster Cares, really good. And yeah, it's an odd one. It's an odd. Um, it's an odd legacy that um, is. Obviously rooted partly in the DJ Polo stuff, which we'll obviously um, round yeah. out next week. Um, but you know, solo wise, it is very fascinating of just having those top three albums in the in the bunch. And you know, like you said, commercially they didn't really do all that hot um, for whatever reasons. I say scaring the hose. I mean, jest obviously. But um, you know, there's it has to. There's always a reason for it, um, and maybe it was just a form of unco- uh, uncompromise. I don't know. Um, but, uh, at least the, at least the, it, you know what he is? He's an ultimate real ones. No, that's, that's what he is. That's what cool G rap is. He's thing. a real ones. No artist. Exactly. If you know cool G rap, you know ball. That's it. That, <laughs> you know what I mean? You, you know ball, uh, you know bars, uh, if you know cool G rap. So if you, if you, if you don't know, get to know, if you don't he know, seemed, then you, you don't know ball. That's he all seems to be comfortable simple, with that simple. label too. Like it doesn't seem like he's forcing himself to be like i'm the greatest you know what i mean like he's comfortable with like oh yeah yeah no you know yeah. I've, uh, there's no top five dead or alive kind of bars from him um which is good he literally just sticks so rigidly to the concept of just like i'm mafia 
um, I'm gangster. This is it. This is what I'm doing. And yeah, man, he sticks to that f- so freaking rigidly, especially for the first three albums. Um, and you know, for stuff like Last of Dying Breed, he just you know kind of reaffirms it. And obviously, the title of that makes sense because um, it's kind of true in some ways. Um, yeah, but, definitely. Yeah, man. Yeah, exactly. Originator. Originator. Uh, progenitor. <laughs> new word. New word for this week. Weird. New word for you guys. Cool mode, um, bro. It's on another level to us. <laughs> this is Yassine Bay level. He could have just said. He could have just said like the prototype ancestor. Like he literally could have just said it. But you just want to flex on us. You want to flex. Progenitor. Just let him, let him get it off. Give you some bars. Yeah, words. Dictionary. Um. Uh, lighter note. Yassine was right. I have an article writing on it as I'm talk as I as I've been talking, um, and yeah, that's dropping sometime probably, hopefully before this episode drops. I, I'm not going to rush it, um, but yeah, it's just um, it's it's a, it's a it's a it's an affirmation I feel because I've kind of said this in my head, and because it's Drake, and because I don't really care um, what he does anymore, um, I'm not, I, I don't I don't invest in hateration anymore. Um, I don't rake the kid. I don't listen to the kid anymore. The boy. Um, he's corny excuse to you. me. Excuse um, you, Charlie. The boy. Boy, what? He's the boy. He's not the kid. He's the boy. Whatever, man. Don't care. By 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 the boy or six god. <laughs> um. Yeah. Not saying that ever. Um. Not calling him the champagne one either. Not no no. Champagne I'm not doing puppy. That. Um, he he will get a Mr. Graham if I met him in person, and that's it. Um, so that's all he's getting. But anyway, um, yeah, Yasin was right. Um, if you don't if you don't think he's right, then you you're know wrong. you're free to be wrong. Um, <laughs> but he is right, and the only di- and and the different and the thing is, and this is the key point. You guys don't understand the levels, okay? Um, Yasin was kind of saying it in jest of the target stuff, right? That's not like the best way of explaining it, but it's, but it's a it's a it's a, it's a fun way of explaining it, but obviously people are just going to now go into Target um, with their TikTok accounts and stay there for like an hour and go like, oh, this person was on it. Is he pop? Like, they're going to do that kind of shit. I guarantee you one dickhead is going to do that on TikTok one, somewhere. <laughs> Will it go viral? I fucking hope not, so I don't see it. Um, but I can see one douchebag trying to do that just to make a point. So... You know, it's not the best way of explaining it, but in the way I'm going to explain it in the article I'm writing, it's simple, right? I, I, I put forward some artists to Ben the, uh, last night, and I'll throw off a few just here, um, just to, and I've, I've kind of um, condensed it from the ones I gave to Ben, but the easier ones, easy ones are this. Run DMC, LL Cool J, MC Hammer, Will Smith, Ludacris, uh, there's some others I want to write down, um, but I haven't written them down yet. Luda. Um, but yeah, you know, those for example, okay? The reason I put those names um for the late for the latter ones more because they just have a ton of number ones. Um and for the others are more artists that kind of were popular, you know, they did have world tours, they did all that stuff. Um, they were big, right? And they did music that you could that that white people are dancing to, right? I literally we were dancing like went. this, bro. We were giving these ones out, pulling the <laughs> pulling down from the sky, just pulling the sun down from the sky, bit of big Willie style. Literally, you say that perfect. Literally at the engagement party yesterday. Shout out to Jamie. Shout out to Jess. Right, 
white people, me and my boy D, the only people of colour in that room, okay, and getting jiggy with it came on, okay, we jam to it, it's getting jiggy with it, you can't not jam to it, it's a banger, okay, on your mind, let's, let's go, gotta get jiggy with it, it's banger, <clears throat> but is it pop, no, right, and the reason why is because at that point, hip-hop was still niche, it was Will, what Will Smith did, what MC Hammer did, and I feel like those are the two biggest, you know, kind of outliers in this conversation, right? LL Cool J and Run DMC, obviously a little bit different because they were popular, but you, you listen to their stuff and they're pretty much hip-hop. You can get that, right? We can we can gauge that very easily. Will Smith, MC Hammer, a little bit different. MC Hammer liked to do a bit of choreography, and that's cool. That's great. I'm Good happy for him, right? He was, he's a G on that front. We need to do an MC, MC Hammer episode at one point. Yes. I, I literally, apart from Can't Touch This, I do not know any MC Hammer. So that would be very interesting. Ooh, I don't think to get, get you something um, talk. There you go. Okay. But yeah, whilst, you know, you can consider those two artists especially as pop, I don't consider them as pop because they were hip, they win the hip hop niche. MC Hammer was doing something unique. Will Smith was doing something unique with him and DJ Jazzy Jeff, and then he went on to Big Willie style, right? That was still hip hop, okay? It was, it was kind of, um, it was hip pop, if you want to go popular. down that route. It was popular, right? In the, you know, using, um, Murs did a like a three-tiered thing where he was like pop rap, hip hop, and hip pop, which was Shout kind of out. interesting. So Shout I might I might link I'm gonna link that to my article because I actually wrote about that a few years ago when that dropped. That was kind of interesting um, opinion. But yeah, you know, if you want to use that term, you can class Will Smith as hip pop if you want. Go for it. That's fine by me. But he's not pop. Drake is pop because hip hop is pop. That's simple. That's that's it. Plain and simple. Hip hop is now pop. Okay. There are elements of hip hop that everyone participates in now, and that's fine. Not fine, but it's fine, right? It's, it is what it is, right? I'm just gonna live with that, just to keep things, um, just for brevity. I see where you're <clears> going. I see where you're yes, going. Yes, you see where I'm going. Yeah, okay. The it. reason why Drake is pop is because he appeals to every single pop element that is going on right now. And that just so happens to be, and it happens to include, a lot of hip-hop elements. That is it. Plain and simple. You guys don't get that concept because you, you're so fixated on fucking hits and... Yassine's jealous and shit. It's just corny, guys. It's really corny. Super even, corny. even, even, even Terrible. the comments I'm reading on the shout out to Blood Hip Hop when he uh, they posted the um, they posted the um, uh, the 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 clip the comment. Here we go. He his biggest hits are pop, but Drake is a real rapper. Come on now. When I can hear Drake now. <laughs> I can hear Drake now on the song Mos Def. I'm definitely pop to these old uh, old niggas. Target blasting uh, music while I'm out with Tommy Hilfiger. Uh, jealous and washed up. Um, <laughs> it's just it's so funny. It's so it's so funny. And obviously the one that um, uh, Ben gave me that really inspired me. Shout out to Hip Hop All Day with two Y's. Anyone who is a fan of hip-hop knows that Drake is a rapper that makes rap music. It's incredibly ignorant for anyone to think otherwise. Um, Doja Cat raps. Blondie raps, bro. Oh, oh, there you go. Stone Silence. Yeah, exactly, right? Doja Cat raps. Do we consider her rap? Uh, do we consider hip-hop? Nobody considers her hip-hop. Nobody. 
She is pop. She's a pop artist that raps. That's fine. That's cool. She can she can spit bars. I'm happy. I'm happy for her. And then he goes, uh, <laughs> he might have made a few pop songs. <laughs> stop. Stop. Don't lie. Come on. Come on. Don't be doing that. A, a few? few pop songs. A, a few, few a pop few, albums. A fucking <laughs> litany, bruv. A litany. Just Don't take relax the piss. with the word a few. If a, a few litany. means a hundred, maybe. <laughs> but if a few means three, no, 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 no. <laughs> right. So that's it. That's literally, that's literally all I'm saying, guys. Okay. He's pop because hip hop is now pop. If you think it's not, then you're wrong. It's just factually not. From a business standpoint, from a from a sound standpoint, hip-hop is pop. And because Drake is the biggest artist, he is a pop artist. S- simple, as simple as. Nobody else, apart from maybe Nicki Minaj, right? Nicki Minaj and Drake, pop artists. Everybody else, maybe you could throw, maybe not make an argument for Cardi B and being pop. Fine. Mm. There's probably others that I'm probably trying to think not of, Cardi. but I can't Invasion be asked to think of. Not a fucking Definitely those two. Yeah, Invasion of Privacy was tough. Um, those two, Nikki Drake, definitely pop. No doubt about it. No conversation. Yasin was right. I want to. I'm going to say two things, but I want to like just tag on to Charlie's point there because we talked about Luda earlier, right? So if you want to like figure out the 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 switch that happened where hip hop became pop. Ludacris was on Justin Nelly. Bieber's song. <laughs> it's Lud- Nelly, but yeah. Well, Nelly, yeah, but like, look, Ludacris was on Justin Bieber's song "Baby." Okay, a pop oh, song gosh, yeah. with a rapper. About five or six years later, Justin Bieber was rapping that. on a Travis Scott song. Justin Bieber's not a rapper. Okay, he rapped on that song, and don't get me wrong, he skated. Okay, he fucking skated. But that's what I'm talking about. That The landscape that allowed Justin Bieber to pop up and have like one of the best verses on one of the greatest rap albums of all time is hip-hop becoming pop. So that's, you know, that's just tying onto what Charlie was saying. My point about Drake, right, and my point when I replied to Charlie, I got MC Hammer right here, baby. We got on cassette nice. tape. Nice. Cassette tape. Please nice. come and don't hurt good, him. Good pickup. Like my point was like when MC Hammer made... Um, don't touch this. He was like what, early twenties, mid twenties. Okay, he was making popular music. He was making fun music. He was dancing to it. It's fun. It's great. There's nothing wrong with that. Drake has consistently courted the mainstream landscape. He's consistently courted a mainstream, wide-ranging pop audience. Okay, he's not trying to push himself artistically in either of the genres, if you want to call him that, those things of hip-hop and R&B. He's not pushing himself at all. He's literally making the most bland pop rap that you could fucking imagine, okay? And he's doing that to sell records so that he dupes all of you people in the comments to be like, how can Drake not be a rapper? He sold lots of records. It's like, what are you talking about? He raps. <laughs> They're mutually exclusive. They can be mutually exclusive. Like, are you fucking crazy? Like, it's, so Drake, has, that's what I'm saying. Drake is like, what, 36, 37, 38, still rapping about women and money. And like, he's still talking like he's 17, 18 years old. That's an artist who is not growing, who is not challenging himself. All he's trying to do is get played in Target. That's all he's trying to do, bro, because that gets his streams up. You know, when CLB came out, right? 
about two or three weeks afterwards, I was walking through my local shopping center, three separate stores, and they were all bodybuilding stores, were playing just shitty tracks from the album. They were obviously playing the album on a loop because as I walked past, it like transitioned to the next song. That's what most deaf Yassin Bey is talking about. That's who's listening to Drake. He's saying that anyone over the age of 25 with six or more brain cells is not going to be <laughs> listening to Drake. They're not going to be listening to Drake because he doesn't appeal to us at all. You know, he, he, there's no growth. There's no maturity. There's nothing in his music except he wants to sleep with lots of women and he has lots of money, which is really cool when you're 16. But when you're 26, you're like, oh, this is lame. Like, it's lame. It really is. Look at what Jay-Z put out at the age of 26. He put out Reasonable Doubt. You're putting Drake next to artists like Nas? Nas dropped Shit. in Matic at 17. Oh, that's good. That's what was good. Nas yep, exactly. dropping when yep, he was yep. 37? What was Yassine Bey dropping when he was 30? Someone said to me, I think it was Hip Hop All Day, said that Outkast are as pop as Drake. Yes, so the yes, so the, the the second part of that part of what? obviously we got hung up on might have a few pop songs, but he carries on. Uh, but a lot of rappers have. It's like saying Outkast are a pop group because they made Hey Ya great, the one track outstanding. It's great. Let's what? just let's just forget. Let's just forget the other six albums that they, they did part before the that. Just, game. That just they just changed the game. Whatever, revolutionized, uh, put South on the map, whatever, none of that. They made Hey Ya, so they're a pop, out, uh, they're see, a pop you know, outfit. When you someone... are being disingenuous, guys. No, no, no. When you are being disingenuous like in bad you, faith you know when you say shit like that. When, when, someone, when you reply and say Yasin Bey and someone just says who, then you know the quality... <laughs> You know the quality of the discourse that you're engaged in, and you log the yeah. fuck off because there's no point. Click off. off you just bite, click off. Bite, yeah. And so no, that's in the no, other no, side no, of no. you know that's that's all I was saying. Like Drake is is a pop yeah. rapper. I mean he's not. He's his pop, music he's a pop is artist. devoid. No, he's not a pop rapper. He's a pop artist. He's a pop artist. Well, don't 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 give him the don't give him the, don't give him the road. Charles pop rap. artist. He sings. He raps. He does whatever he needs to do to sell records. That's what he's doing. He's Popeyes. <laughs> it's just, like, and I've referenced him to Nelly before, right? Guys. It's like the closest comparison I can think of, right? But I don't know. He, I might be, I might be disrespecting Nelly on that front. No, you are. You are disrespecting. <laughs> dis- okay, then that's my, fine. We can have my, a conversation when we do a Nelly retrospective. King. But you know, we got to do a Nelly retrospective. Uh, but the thing we do the, need to do the other point hey, I want to hey, say, hey. and someone said, um, we got to do Air Force Ones, bro. I'm going to pull my Air Force Ones out because I bought Air Force Ones because of that fucking song because who didn't? <laughs> but anyway, the other point I was trying to make is, you know, someone said in my DMs, they're like, people are taking this as a criticism. For me, it's a, like I would take that as a criticism and I think Drake would too because he's consistently said he wants the respect of his peers even though he then doesn't get it. No, and then he, he doesn't. Like, he rejects them. No, he like, doesn't. No, he doesn't. Them. But, no, he doesn't. you know, what What he's done and what he has achieved as a pop artist is fucking immense. He's at the pinnacle of so many different charts, and that needs to be respected. I mean, it, it, it's not going to really be respected by me because, I mean... I can acknowledge it. We'll acknowledge, acknowledge it. it. That's a good point. I fully acknowledge. We can acknowledge that Drake has decided to go down this path, and he's obviously decided to push his pop credentials as far as he can. He's but trying to chart... This ain't cryptic. No, it's not cryptic. His his out his output is not cryptic. 
It's not cryptic anymore. Mm-hmm. It might have been cryptic when it was like nothing was the same era, right? Because it was kind of like it wasn't that cryptic. You know, it's kind of like in the middle there. CLB, no. Oh, that's it's trash. not cryptic anymore. I'm sorry, it's not cryptic anymore. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's not shrouded in like you know deep bars or anything. It's it's outright just fuck Sci- it, bro. Numbers, Sci- numbers B, only. Don't care. Side B of Scorpion and onwards. That's when we lost it all. Sure, because sure, side A, yep, you know, fine, side fine, A was yep. a lot about what was happening with Kanye. You know, I felt like I'd we go, were getting... I'd, I'd go with views. I'd start with views, but that's just views. V- I don't know what people are doing when they're going back in time and being like, views is a classic. It is close to unlistenable. It is boring. It is. They had controller done. in one dance, right? That's the Bro, album, right? They are horrible songs. That's that's the one in it. That's the album. Yeah, that's the one. And okay, Hotline yeah, Bling views, on the end. Views. Views. Yep. Oh, oh, like, oh, oh my gosh. What an era. Wow. What an era I just do not want to go back to. Fucking hell. Every club night. Every club night. Those three songs at some point. Every fucking club night. Oh my god. Can we. All right. Let's end this. Let's end this. All right. We're going too long. All right. Ladies and gentlemen. Off that little rant. We'll end it there. Article coming soon if you want more uh, uh, precise words from Tap myself. in. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, maybe something from Ben off, off the top of that. Um, but yeah. Uh, from the 5 EPM. It's been Digging Digits. Hope you enjoyed this episode. I'm Richard Taylor for Fenneman. Ben Ben Karov, Hip Hop Numbers. We hope you all have a good week. We shall always try and do the same. Call G Rap and DJ Polo next week. But until then, until the next time, take it easy, ladies and gentlemen. All right, peace. Digging in Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show is edited by me. Music for the show is piece of video games by bonus points. Thanks to Chillvolt Music for the ability to use. Socials for Venom and Hip Hop by numbers, bonus points, and Chillvolt Music will be the full show notes as well as the names of projects reviewed wherever you're listening. This has been a 5 EPM production. Thanks for spending time with us. We'll see you next time on Digging in the Digits.